In September, Aveshka's chief medical officer, Dr. Till Jolly, was selected to serve as a distinguished fellow by the Innovation Institute for Fan Experience. Dr. Jolly brings a wealth of knowledge in the realms of public health and safety, clinical medicine, preparedness, event operations, and risk communications to the IIFX coalition of subject matter experts. As part of the Return to Work, Play and Spectate podcast, he moderates a weekly forum series that presents and interprets current scientific information on COVID-19, making it useful and relevant for the sports and entertainment industry's venue and event operations to cut through the noise and develop actionable plans to restore business operations and build resilience to future shocks. Dr. Jolly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's, it's great to be here with you. For those that uh, don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, your career to date, please? Yeah, just a bit. I, I, um, I'm an emergency physician, so I, I still practice emergency medicine uh, in, around, in the Washington, D.C. area um, and originally from North Carolina. Um, and I've had a few twists in my professional career that sort of led me to where I am now. I've um, done some work in Homeland Security in the federal government uh, for a number of years in what was the Office of Health Affairs. Um, I spent time as chief medical officer of a telemedicine company that's nationwide. Um, and then at one point in my career was uh, one of the consulting team for medical preparedness for Super Bowls. And and that and, and really my uh, my clinical medicine background sort of brought me to where I am now. You're currently with Aveshka. Can you tell us who they are and, and what they do? Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with Aveshka. Aveshka is um, Washington or just outside Washington, D.C. based, but has presence around the country. And Aveshka is really a professional services and IT consulting firm with service to clients in both government at the federal, state and local levels, um, some international clients and also commercial clients really focused on initially on um, homeland security and the planning and the preparedness around various homeland security threats, really focusing on how to use data and expertise to provide uh, service for best possible planning and preparedness. Obviously, in the current environment, we're spending a lot of time on COVID-19 because um, you know that's really a primary concern of, of many of our clients, and it's an area in which we have some expertise with, with a combination of public health and data consulting. They've teamed up with IIFX um, on all things return to work, play, and spectate. But can you tell us a little bit about um, how that partnership came about and what the intentions are? Sure. So, so our focus at Aveshka, and I'm the chief medical officer at Aveshka now, um, is really on a broad set of, of clients, but many with common um, concerns and risks they're facing and, and in common decisions to make about about opening up their workplaces, travel, and other things. And if you look at, at what IAFX is all about, it's about the fan experience, but it is broadly across a set of sports and entertainment vi- venues really around the world that all are trying to get themselves back to some level of operations, uh, depending on the local conditions. And so it really was a, a match that, that made sense to take some of the expertise we have in public health data and analytics and consulting, and really try to work with IAFX um, and its members um, to both advance individually their goals and also to really try to get some education and messages out more broadly um, through forum series and conferences and and other things that we're working on with IAFX. And so far, there's been um, three of the four-part series, um, which you uh, and Dr. Anderson have moderated so far. 
Uh, how have these gone in your perspective? Are you, are you finding that they're serving a purpose in terms of really getting the experts together and, and pulling out the necessary information? I think so. I think, you know, we we envisioned this as um, really a, a, an evolutionary process. And there's lots of information about COVID. There's no shortage of information about COVID um, in the popular press and the scientific press. But what we really wanted to do is bring together experts who could have a discussion from a level of practical experience, really with a medical and public health bent, to try to assess the, the risks for various uh, constituents in the sports and entertainment industry. The first one was on youth sports. We had leadership from youth sports and a, and a medical expert to really talk about that that group. And that really had a significant audience and uptake and drew a lot of interest because those are folks that really have to think about how to manage this. Similarly, our colleagues from Wembley uh, talked about what they face, a very advanced planning team at Wembley. Um, and then most recently, some U.S. best U.S. based um, experts on uh, stadium management, and then interestingly, live entertainment management, and trying to assess how they can best get their um, fans and their spectators and their audience back into seats safely, um, and also protect importantly their employees and those that staff their um, their sites who also have have their own concerns. And we, so we think it's 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 filling a, a pretty big niche. Um, and we're going to continue to, to we're, we've got another one planned and, uh, and we may have further demand for it. I think, I think people are still going to want answers as this progresses. I was going to jump on to next week's episode a little later, but, um, seeing as you bring it up, um, it's the final one in the series as it currently stands before IIFX's, um, conference on the 17th and 18th of November. Uh, what can we expect from next week's episode, which won't be, I understand on Wednesday, but on Thursday. Correct. We've moved it to Thursday because Wednesday in the U.S. is Veterans Day, and as a holiday, we really wanted, didn't want to didn't want to have it on that day. We just moved it moved it to Thursday for that reason. Um, but it will be available as all of these are on a delayed basis on ifx.org and other other uh, media. Um, so it'll certainly be available delayed. But what we're going to do is look at try to look at some of the fan risk issues and how how fans and attendees can assess their risk of being in an environment, either indoors or outdoors, and, and as people try to go back. Because in many places around the country and, frankly, around the world, people are going back to venues. And then, really importantly, and some of this grew from some of the prior sessions, is hear from an expert in public health in a major jurisdiction in the U.S. about how to best communicate that risk to the public um, so they understand it and, and grasp the right things to do um, which in many cases will be the simple things like wearing masks and, and distancing. And one of the things that I find most fascinating about the structure of IIFX is the, the international aspect and the ability to bring on um, you know, experts from around the world, whether they be venue owners, event, uh, event planners, uh, agents, whoever it may be, really to get those discussions going. And we had Wembley on uh, a couple of weeks ago. How... Yes. How interesting has it been from your perspective to tap into that international uh, expertise? Well, I think it's a great model because every country, I mean, various countries have managed this in different ways um, and have have different challenges, but um, all with a common common set of concerns about how to manage events. So to have our colleagues from Europe, 
um, uh, from Wembley and from parts of the European continent. Um, and um, and then also we've we've had discussions in other venues with colleagues from Australia, uh, New Zealand, uh, and other parts of the world who really are sometimes facing different um, challenges based on the disease prevalence um, and different governmental pressures. Um, and you know we can certainly learn from them. There's there's nothing there there's nothing really good about closing yourself off as a country. We can we can learn from our colleagues around around the world and 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 teach each other and there's been a lot of discussion of late on two things um testing and and also masks um which i think is really interesting going forward are we getting anywhere from the medical perspective in terms of being able to get people back into the stadium safely i think we're making some progress i mean we clearly have lots of progress still to make and in just focusing on the u.s we're having an increase in cases around the U.S. now, as we're speaking on uh, November sixth, and um, um, and that you know may well get worse. So it's entirely likely we're going to be wearing masks for quite a while, and we should. It's a relatively simple countermeasure um, to really prevent disease spread, and and we need to to make it um, more ubiquitous in the population. With that. And, and other educational measures and other mitigation measures will gradually get back to attending events. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to be, it requires a level of public education, a level of public awareness and modeling of behavior that we really need to work on. Happily, you know, if we look at the sports and entertainment um, industry, we're seeing that among athletes and among coaches and among leadership um, entertainers. Um, and, you know, it, these things happen slowly, but we need to really work at it. And looking ahead on the 17th and 18th of November, IIFX has its first conference uh, titled The Innovative Pathway to the Future of Sports and Entertainment. I understand that you're going to be presenting on the second day. Can you tell us what you're going to be presenting on and um, what are you hoping to to get from the conference? Well, we, there's a group of four physicians who have been working with IFX uh, as part of the task force structure and, and sort of really trying to bring medicine and public health knowledge into the, the event uh, uh, analysis and planning that IFX really leads, leads the nation and the world in. Um, the title of the session is Enhancing Health and Safety Measures for a successful return to work, play, and spectate. And that's really what we're after. We wanna make sure that people are safe, but but we recognize that getting people back into venues is important, both um, emotionally, uh, for all sorts of societal health and welfare reasons, and economically. These are big economic engines for, for their communities. So the four of us, from our various perspectives, I'll try to take a bit of a global perspective. We have a colleague who runs a marathon, or is a chief medical officer for a marathon, um, and from the world of uh, professional sports, both in the Midwest and, and um, on the West Coast, um, really talking about how to interpret public health messaging and medical messaging and really get it out to the public. And then really looking forward, trying to give the attendees a look forward into the risks and what we see in COVID in the coming months. We're seeing a lot of innovation in this space, a lot of changes to models, uh, safety and security systems. Can you talk us through any innovations that are specifically of interest to you? And is there a message to fans in, in all of this in terms of what they can expect when they will be allowed back into state? Well, the first message and, and, and what I really want to lead with and repeat, the first message for fans is that the things that we know that work, um, masks, social distancing, hand washing, 
um, and not going out in public when you are ill are really the public health basics. And we need to keep remembering that. And so that's lesson number one. And that needs to be repeated over and over again, like all other public health messages. That's really what we're capable of doing. Um, and then, however, interestingly, I mean, there are lots of things coming up in the coming months that uh, there are billions of dollars being put into to try to innovate, including vaccine. At some point, we'll have vaccine. And that's a that's a great thing. It's not going to solve all of our problems, but it's going to go a long way. We want to support that kind of research and development. Um, but interestingly, there's a lot of talk about testing. And there are lots of different, different testing methodologies. The details of which test does what are probably a bit bit more than this podcast um, uh, is appropriate for. Uh, but needless to say, there's lots of testing. We need to do more of it. And, and using testing in a smart way, testing and population uh, tracking in a smart way to assess populations and even in cooperation with, um, with venue operators uh, may make sense for everybody. So we're looking forward to that. And as these things get developed and approved by the FDA in the U.S. and other regulatory agencies, um, is something that we probably should do more of. But the way that this is changing all the time with all the you know the new information, it, it, it must be from from your perspective, it must be fascinating stuff. It is. It's. I mean, you know, I, I mean, a little aside. I mean, when I was in Homeland Security, I got brought in the office, and my friend, the chief medical officer, looked at me and says, "You probably know more about infectious disease than anybody around." Although I'm not an expert, but I wasn't then. Um, but, you know, why don't you go do all the pandemic planning for Homeland Security? So I got all these people that did all this this community mitigation stuff. I was in rooms with them 12 years ago. Um, and so all these plans got pulled off the shelf. Um, in, the event, in the event of a pandemic. Yeah. And, and so now we're using it. Um, and, uh, you know, it all, it all um, you know, it's it can be a little daunting. And it really is changing. I mean, you cannot keep up with the medical literature in this. It's just not humanly possible. And um, and there's so much unknown. People want, you know, a definitive answer. But, you know, the antibody thing, nobody's quite sure about. And, you know, um, and why do certain people get sick and certain people don't? And what about the age issue? And, you know, when's the vaccine? All this, there's so much uncertainty that people don't like. But it, But, you know, watching this is fascinating scientifically. And so how how did your plans match up to the present, you know, reality? Pretty well, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, um, you know, we were planning based on a couple of scenarios. Didn't, you know, didn't play out exactly. But the idea that, you know, you've got a novel virus that spreads easily, that has a certain a high, relatively high lethality, that's what we we're planning for. And, you know. What you need to do, you know, and there's going to be this low level of infectiousness that you're not going to catch at first. Um, and then it might explode quickly in, you know, pockets all over the place. That's, you know, that's what's happening. And then, you know, you start to separate people and shut things down. Suddenly you stop the mixing and the virus comes down and you put them back together and it comes up again. And that's, you know, if you read, I don't know if you ever read the book, you, you can look at it. It's called The Great Influenza. It's written by John Barry. Uh, it's about the 1918 um, Spanish flu. Um, and it lays this out pretty, it's pretty similar. 
Yeah. And so was this the type of literature that you were referring to when you were developing these plans or was this? Yeah, no, we all, I mean, this was actually, the legend has it that that book, um, the then Secretary of, Homeland, uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services read it, gave it to President Bush and said, this could be really bad and it might happen again. We've got to start planning for it. And I think Tony Fauci told him about this. And um, and that begat a whole bunch of plans. And now you see John Barry still around and he writes every once in a while, I'll write an editorial in the New York Times basically with, you know, I told you so. so. We had um, Russ Simons on the podcast a few weeks ago and, and he was talking about the good things that have come out of this. And there are a lot of good things. Um, you know, one of them being it, it appears everything and, and everyone has gotten cleaner. But from your perspective, I mean, obviously medical, the medical side is now, probably a cemented part of health and safety planning, security planning at major events. Are there other things that um, that you're seeing in terms of how your profession has changed because of this? Well, you know, there are, um, there's some interesting things. I mean, like emergency medicine, um, people have, have most ER in the U.S., most the volume of visits in emergency departments has dropped. We think largely because people aren't going for minor things anymore. And that's actually had economic consequences for hospitals who've actually had to let go of some doctors and nurses because demand has dropped. Even though there are a whole bunch of sick people there, there aren't enough to justify having some staff. So, you know, and they're finding other ways to get their things cared for. And then, you know, when all the elective surgeries got shut down, I mean, that's huge. That's devastating for hospitals. And, um, and then just the infection risk. I mean, we're all used to putting on PPE for potential tuberculosis and other stuff. We've all done it for years, but now it's everywhere. And so you're always in PPE. Um, so that's, you know, interesting. And then how do you handle medical education in a place where you've got people that are untrained, you're trying to train them, but you don't want to put them in danger, um, you know, because they're not as good at it as you are. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. And then, you know, and hospitals, I mean, it's just, this is hospital economics, but I mean, hospitals operate on really narrow margins. And in order to prepare for a crisis, you've got to put money away and put stuff away that you might never use. And hospitals don't really like to do that because they're, you know, it's very much a just in time kind of business. Um, and so, but this has now made them realize, oh yeah, we got to, you know, we got to actually, we're behind. And we got to make it up. And so are you hopeful for the future in terms of, you know, are we going to see huge crowds back in stadiums anytime soon? Is it going to be the return to the previous normal or is it going to be an entirely new normal? Well, at some point, I mean, uh, prediction, uh, you know, I don't know about your definition, depends on your definition of anytime soon. Um, The stadium will not be full for the Super Bowl. Um, so to our international audience, the Super Bowl is normally in what month? It's uh, the first weekend in February, usually. Okay, okay. So a few months, just, what, four or five months yeah. away? Yeah, so, um, but, I mean, we will get back to having people in um, stadiums, concert arenas, stuff like that. I don't know exactly when, and it's not, there's not going to be a switch that's going to flip. And suddenly everybody can go back one day because it's over. It's going to be gradual. It's going to take 
probably into 2022 to get enough people vaccinated. And assuming the vaccine's good enough, we'll have enough immunity um, to, to reduce transmission. There will probably, for the foreseeable future, still be this virus floating around in the population a little bit. But if we can tamp it down with vaccine and proper behavior, you know, it'll be manageable. And then after that, we've got the the issue of confidence, right? Like fan confidence. Yes. It's, yeah, I mean. How are we going to overcome that? Know, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, people are, I mean, you see how people behave in the grocery store and, you know, or the hardware store or, you know, um, even walking down the sidewalk, how everybody, you know, if you get in, if you don't have a mask on or if you're running, you know, you get avoided, you know, and, um, you know, you're going to put people in, in stadiums when people are that scared, you know, so it's a massive public education campaign. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to the conference, uh, next month. Uh, yeah. sounds like we got, we got, oh, you know, I don't know, 250 people signed up for it. Sounds pretty good. Dr. Jolly, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Um, I'll let you go back to your day. Uh, for anybody who's interested in registering for the conference, they can go to the IIF um, website. That's IIFX.org and across all the social media channels. Um, it's been a pleasure, Dr. Jolly. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.